There we go. <laughs> so have you had a stretch, a pre-show stretch? I'm doing that right now. I, I Yeah, it's some pre-show calisthenics. Okay, I'm, I'm just checking in with my kidneys here to make sure they're feeling okay. Yeah, peeing a lot. Yeah, do, doing right? my yoga stretches where I talk <laughs> to my kidneys. Oh, you ever do the yoga good. stretches where you talk to your kidneys? No, I I don't. Yeah. Okay, What's well, that? They're very important. What pose is that? An S-shaped thing you do, and oh. kind of bend over to the side and flushes the kidneys. They say. Ooh, that sounds really messy. Mm, it is. It's all all farts and namaste. <laughs> and there's the show title. <laughs> And overcast. Hello and welcome to the final 20th episode of the first 20 episodes of Up and Overcast, where once again, two geeks of a certain age confide their deepest, darkest dorkiness after 25 years of friendship spent mostly separated by most of North. I'm, I'm running out of energy. Uh... I'm Scott Horn, but more impertinently, he's William Cooper. Hello, William. 20 cream-filled podcasts. Indeed. That could be a new theme music. I like that. Could be, yeah. You fall down the stairs. You know what that's from? No, no, not at all. I thought it was from you. Was it not? No, that is from, uh, oh, great. Now I can't remember. It's from the Electric Company or Sesame Street. They had the the 20, had a baker, and this baker would say like 20 cream-filled pies, and then he'd fall down the stairs. Uh, Electric Company is one of those ones I couldn't figure out. Ah, Sesame Street found him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I must have missed that era. You couldn't figure out Electric Company. No, it's like um, it I was strange. Yeah, I I, 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 I couldn't figure it out. So. Well, now you now you pay them. as long as you pay them the bills. <laughs> the, uh, it's they keep the show on. Yeah, I was is a little. That, is that who we're paying? That's that's exactly right. I was actually really confused as a kid because I thought that was the Electric Company. <laughs> Would, and it didn't make any sense to me that they were putting on a show. How does that, how does that generate energy? Yeah. It, also, as a child, I um, my parents uh, budgeted, did household budgeting, and they had a little budgeting book with little envelopes and money in the envelopes, and they were all labeled things like automotive and housing and um, vacation and stuff like that. And when they my dad got a paycheck, he put a little bit of money in each one of those things. And um, there was one that was called Miscellaneous. And as a kid, I could not figure out who Miscellaneous was and why we were paying her money. <laughs> we were given this woman like... Is that legal? <laughs> yeah. We were given this woman like 20 bucks a week. Like, what is she doing for us? And then she never showed up to collect her money. It was just sort of there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's yes. very formal and uh, direct way of budgeting, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they were they were pretty good about it. They taught me. Yeah, it's not the thing. method I use. I I look in the account and is, is it, whatever amount is in there, I go spend it. <laughs> or you tell. Oh, when I when I used <laughs> when I was in Columbus, <laughs> you just tell me how much there was, and I'd say, "Hey, we should go spend that." And you're like, "I I don't want to." Ah, come on, I used to love spending your money. It was the greatest. <laughs> Yeah, it's money's a thing to get rid of. It's like, oh my god, it's like every two weeks there's a there's there's a new pile of that. Better get rid of that just as quickly as I can. And I've gotten it down, and it only takes me three days. It's very very heavy the money. So 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 yeah, every two weeks I get it fills up, and then in three days it's empty again. And then I guess it's ramen noodles and water for the till for a week and a half. 
Hey, nothing wrong with that. I lived on that mm-hmm. for a long time. Except I couldn't afford the water, but. <laughs> so you got any uh, follow-up? Any uh, <laughs> uh, take us into this, the show we're supposed to be doing right Oh, now? we do quite, quite a bit. I'm very loopy today. Um, so let's see, the follow-up. Uh, I, I, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the wonderful, wonderful Christy McNichol. Mm-hmm who we had mentioned um, a few episodes ago, and I think you had done some McNichol research, correct? No, I thought you did it. No, it's something about she came to did something. No? (laughs) (laughs) I I can tell you what I know about her, but I thought it came from you. (laughs) No, it didn't come from me. Who has been in our show notes? The show notes fairy has been here. Show note elves. <laughs> okay, well, we don't have much to Dude, say you, about Christy. You put that in there. I, that was in there from before. When you just, put it in. Oh. Uh, well, she's great. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, McNichol, I think, is probably Irish, maybe. Um, uh, probably. Uh, maybe Scottish, maybe Scottish. Um, I have her Google or her uh, Wikipedia page here, so I, it doesn't say whether she's Irish or Scottish. But uh, I could just read the page if you'd like. I would. Um, well, she was born in Los Angeles, and um, she was. Uh, if I remember correctly, she may have been a, ner- a nerdy kid, maybe a little. She bit was on a nerdy. The yeah. <laughs> she was a nerdy kid. Um, and, uh, she was in, uh, Empty Nest, um, she was in Family, and, um, she retired from acting in 2001. So, um, I don't really have, uh, much more. Her, her page is very, very sparse. It's a cute picture of her from 1977. But what I was going to say about her, <clears throat> um, if you have nothing more to add, uh, is <laughs> the clip that we had in our show notes um, was a clip from Battle of the Network Stars. And I reminisced about this. I watched some other clips of this show. Um, most of the people listening to this podcast, all, all two of you, are probably way too young to know Battle of the Network Stars. Um, but I loved it as a kid. Yes. And so did I. Did, yeah, the whole concept is really strange when I think about it now. Just just put your different, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, put your different uh, sitcom and drama stars up against each other doing gymnastics and right. track and field. And now I'm thinking about that. Did they, did they pass it around along the networks? Because, yeah, you're right. It was an inter-network star yeah. thingy, but mm-hmm. it obviously was only going to, when when the show aired, it could only be on one network. So I wonder if they moved it around. Yeah, that's so a that good everybody question. got to do the one hour special and get the get the ads rad revenue from it being on their network. Yeah, I never even really thought about that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It was uh, it was on ABC. It uh. Yeah, I don't. Oh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was on ABC, but it had people from right all three networks. Well, they must have got some kind of cross yeah. cross promotional deal going. Yeah, but yeah, they did that a lot in the seventies, where they would just take the celebrities and put them in different things just to have them on some more in a different context. Right. It's just such a weird idea now because I can't. Mm-hmm. You can't think of it. Just wouldn't really happen now. Where. You know, these days it would be, oh, they they try to compete at singing or something like that. But these were like volleyball and swimming and, you know, tennis. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. what, you know? Obstacle like, courses. Obstacle courses. <laughs> it's just, it's such a weird thing that, you know, um, just sort of the idea that, that being a a network television star like Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back Cotter is one, mm-hmm. was one of the captains of one of the teams I'm seeing here. The idea that he's like, oh yeah, well he obviously can, you know, can kayak. <laughs> like, no, he's, 
He's an entertainer. I mean, that's, he, he did that so he wouldn't have to kayak. That's the whole idea. <laughs> so I just, I, I watched some of the clips of it, and it's just such a weird idea for a show. Um, yeah, so it, I just it, to, was, it, it was, you know, something that eventually led to reality TV in a way because yeah. um, it was a show they could, they could make a one-hour show that really didn't require much in the way of scripting. Right. I I wonder if it coincided with the writer's strike the way this the same reason it happened in the uh, 90s. Oh, was yeah. Was all because of um right. know, writer's strikes and yeah, this yeah. was the network's way of coming up with content while um those negotiations were going on. My gosh, it and went And to make the writers feel like they weren't needed and I think it proved that the writers were needed more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> and now look at all the great writing we have in TV. I mean, it's it's astounding how good the writing is in TV these days. I could, well, I could talk about that forever. Mm-hmm. It's the golden age of TV for me. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just unbelievable what's out there now. Yep. Um, so this thing ran from uh, 1976 to 1988. Wow. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of bring that up because I, I, I had put it in the show notes because show notes because I had found um a Christy McNichol clip, but then I realized, you know, hey, I wanted to kind of bring that to people's attention because it was a really weird thing and a, it's worth kind of uh looking at. Maybe we'll I'll grab some more clips and put them in for people to see yeah if I'm, am i remembering correctly that they would they would even do them up like it was the kid stars against the adult stars and some yeah. of these and yeah um which is so unfair to the adults yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean here's here's a team from 1980 that had scott scott ba- bayo mm-hmm. and phyllis Di- phyllis oh <laughs> this is phyllis diller okay that doesn't make it's phyllis davis it was phyllis diller. they would have made like, a hot wow. couple <laughs> yeah they should they sure would have. Um, they paired him up with almost everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And Byron Allen, who was on everything in the world, but no one knows who he is or what he was on. Hmm. I don't remember Byron Allen or not. But anyway, uh, that's enough about that. Okay. Um, the only other kind of follow-up um, I will mention is um, I had a thing happen to me this weekend. I, I just wanted to commiserate with you as a... Um, fellow married bloke who has been <laughs> married for some time i um was talking to my wife uh in our second bedroom and she said something that that made me astounded or i didn't even know what my reaction was and i sort of comically ran from the room okay. and as i ran from the room i ran into the kitchen and as i ran into the kitchen i wasn't looking down and so I slammed into our dishwasher on my shin and completely took like the worst spill and tumble I have I've taken a long time. And I'm just crumpled up in a corner of the kitchen. <laughs> so were you you traveling at, at you you were running? I was at a it was a pretty good velocity, yeah. Mm. Silly yeah. man. You're a very I know. silly man. And so I was in the corner of the kitchen holding my leg. And uh so this is this is what happened. My my wife comes out, Joe comes out. She's she obviously says, heard a big she has. <laughs> and she comes out and she says, What happened? Did you run into the dishwasher? And I said, Ah, yeah. She said, Did you did you break the dishwasher? <laughs> like I'm like, no, how about my leg? Her first response was like, oh my God, you've broken the dishwasher. I'm just like lying on the floor, writhing in agony, holding my leg. And she's like, I hope that dishwasher is okay. Yeah, it looks okay. Opening and closing the door. Yep, it's good. No problem. (laughs) Well, you know, some things are more useful than others. I guess. I've just given her crap about this uh, a lot because I'm like, really? Your first response wasn't like, oh, you poor, poor, poor person. Yeah, I I can. I have a similar situation because I very much when somebody's sick in the house is, you know, I just want to bring them tea and mm-hmm. with honey in it and, you know, take care of them and give them back rubs and 
cold, oh, I should cold, get sick over there. cold compresses for their foreheads, you know, all this stuff. And then when I get sick and whiny, I love that same treatment and I do not get it. <laughs> it's just tisk and the rolling of the eyes and the, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Joe is pretty good about it, but but I definitely have a lot more of of what you say. Mm-hmm. I am all about someone is is sick, someone is hurt. It's time to take care completely. You know, what do you need? Can I yeah. get you this? Can I go to the store? All that stuff. So when somebody's sick in my household, they're sick of me bringing them things. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it helps them get better because they're, I'm they're it, just annoying in, you. Yeah, when I'm sick in my household, it's like I'm asking things to be brought to me and getting the rolling of the eyes. In the right, right, right. Thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it, like I said, it motivates people to get better. Mm. You annoy them enough. <laughs> so I just wanted to, I wanted to share that and, you know, also in hopes that if she... If and when she hears this, she'll say, I guess she'll come on the show again. Still trying to get her on. But she's a busy, busy, busy woman. Well, good. I have that, too. Yeah. So uh, that's about all the follow-up I had. You you had mentioned right before we went on that you had a visitor in your your backyard. I think it's a resident. I've decided he gets to live. Um, Oh, good. I was cutting the grass, as you do. Mm-hmm. and my little tractor and I'm going around the north side of the house. This is the service side of the house where we've just got, you know, like this is where the electric comes in and it's, it's, it's not a side of the house that anybody goes to. And over there I've got some old junk that really needs to be dragged to the curb. Mm-hmm. And one of these things is an old pool cover sitting on top of an old garbage can. And so it kind of drapes over it. And what had happened was it was kind of gotten blown into the yard a bit. So it was blocking my path to cut. So I get off the tractor and I go over there and I just lift that cover up to grab hold of the, of the barrel to move it back closer to the house and scoot it away so I can cut the grass. And this large snaky thing on the ground starts uncoiling itself and moving uh, as I look and... I know snakes to a degree, Ohio snakes, and this right. is bigger and brighter colored than I've seen. Huh. And he's get really kind of chunky in the middle, <laughs> this thing. And he goes back behind, he, you know, he goes back into the shadows of this thing. So I start my video on my phone and I'm, pulling up the pieces and I see him. And then as soon as I open things up and let light in, he scampers over to the other side. So I'm doing this back and forth with him, <laughs> but I need to get a clear view of him. Cause I, I, I need to find out what breed of, of snakes this is. Right. Yeah. yeah. And as, I finally, I. yeah, I finally got a nice close uh, shot of him and it's these big, um, big orange, um, octagonal shaped markings all over him, but he has a really small head, but his body gets pretty thick. And this thing was probably two feet long. Pretty good sized snake. Wow. Not as thick as like a black snake, but still way thicker than a garter snake. And these patterns were not that of a garter snake. So I text my mom with a picture because she look these she's really like mrs encyclopedia on these kind of things and right um she says well it's not like that a copperhead is it and i'm familiar with a copperhead from my youth i jumped over yes. one once yep. um but um it's uh, sort of but not the head totally not i get my my lovely <laughs> wife involved and uh she calls up pictures of snakes of ohio and we're looking she comes out with the ipad and we're looking at it together and Scrolling through, and we decided that it is an eastern milk snake. Oh, wow. And uh, an eastern milk snake, snake is um, certainly not venomous. I mean, there's very, very few right. venomous snakes in Ohio. There's like only two species, and the likelihood of coming across them is extremely unlikely. But a 
I, when I've heard milk snake, I immediately know, okay, well, he probably gets to live because not only is he not venomous, he eats field mice. Yes. Voracious is, eaters of the field mice. Probably what he had, uh, that bulge in his middle. Yep. He, they are constrictors. Apparently they, they will wrap, wrap that, give that little mousy a hug <laughs> until the mousy can't breathe anymore. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then they, uh. Uh, while the mousey is still alive but knocked out, they eat it. I'm looking at a picture right now. It's actually a very handsome snake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, w- strangely enough, I did a report on the milk snake as a child. Mm. Yeah, I know. Um, well, that's really interesting. I also like how you said you jumped over a copperhead because immediately I just I envisioned you on your bike like, all right, guys. How much are you going to pay me to jump over this copperhead? <laughs> no, no. It was at a state park with the family, yeah. and we were just on a trail. And I was 12 years yeah. old, and we were all That's just scampering down this trail. And I was up in the lead, and I made a big of a leap. And as I'm looking down below me, there's this orange snake with a triangular head right below me. Yeah. I, so I jumped over it, and I was scared. So my reaction, being time being pathetically slow when i hit the ground i jumped backwards so i jumped over him again (laughs) (laughs) you gotta imagine what's going through his mind he's like what is this right and so i stopped the whole family and we all gathered around this thing at a distance and kind of looked at it and mom went off to the car to get out a a net a guidebook of all the of critters and stuff that we had in the car and she found Mm -hmm. it in there it's this and this is a copperhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a poisonous snake. Yeah. You, you, most people who've grown up in Ohio have, have run across, I've run across one as well. They've, mm. you, you learn what those are mm-hmm. <laughs> at a pretty early age in Ohio. Yeah, I've never so. seen one since. Um, yeah, I, I think I saw one probably about the same age and that was, that was about it for me. But, um, right. well, look at you, Mr. Snake, yep. Mr. Snake. And uh, thinking about that, about uh, being on my tractor, it reminded me that um, I had once, uh, as a formal per- former person who I used to be, did a mm. uh, a weekly tractor cast, a minute and a half long um, audio podcast about uh, cutting the grass on a lawn tractor, accompanied by the sound of a tractor motor running as I'm sitting on the tractor getting ready to cut the grass. It's great. Uh, ran for four seasons. Uh you can find it over on Audio Boom, and uh, we'll drop a link into the show notes. Yeah, it was. Uh, I actually look forward to. Uh, we listen to it all the time. I loved it. So cool. That's great. Um, so that's uh, that's quite a thing you saw in your in your yard. Did 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 you see any other things? Not in my yard. Um, mm-hmm. Inside my house, there was a, a this flat panel thing that shows moving pictures. So oh. something on that. Really? Just kind of sprung up all by itself. Let's talk about that in our next segment. Okay. So I saw a thing. I think in some episode of this podcast thing we're doing, I was talking about how we were talking about TV and how this golden age, which you've mentioned, mm-hmm. that I'm like jealous of all you people who have these shows you're so into. <laughs> right. And, and the binge watching of them that's available now because of, you know, the Netflixes and the Hulus and the way we watch new shows these days. Uh, and Netflix in particular really started it with the dropping of whole seasons of new shows all at once instead of doling them out one episode a week. Um. But if you find an old show that's already there, you can binge watch it, of course, and everybody does that. And I think I had mentioned that I'd really like to find something to watch. And I did. And I, it consumed me, and I consumed it. And now it's already gone, so I am i really don't know what to do with the rest of my so, life. <laughs> so I, I'm fascinated by this because you, you texted me about this. I, I want to know how how this happened. I mean, how did you find the show? Because I had to look for it. Once you told me what it was, it wasn't, it was on Netflix and it, I didn't, not like I turned on Netflix and there it was. It 
I had to actually look for it. So how did you how did you come across this thing? Well, it started I think a year or so ago when Hulu announced that they were getting a bunch of anime series added to their network, and I started browsing those. And I watched a couple of episodes of that, and I had realized even from earlier on, um, having seen some things on uh, Crunchyroll, I think, was a, yes, the first yep. service I saw on a PlayStation 3 several years ago. And I went into there, and it's like, there's hundreds and hundreds of these shows. And they you very quickly see that they're really only three or four different types of shows. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and it's almost formulaic, but I just randomly picked one and watched it and said, there's more creativity here than I knew existed in the universe. And it's mm-hmm. just this uh, these unknown shows. And I didn't even know how to approach it or how to get into it. So I didn't really. Then Hulu got all these shows. And it started with, um, they got, I think it was Hulu, got um, all of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'd never seen it, but I had heard about it in the in the eighties, a guy I worked with was heavy into it. And I just laughed at him because this is, you know, it's an animation. So it's a kid's show and it's about a a princess. Right. I'm like, dude, what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, but I have teenage (laughs) girls now and they rolled their eyes at this thing. We watched a couple episodes of, of sailor moon and they're like, yeah, it's it's a show about girls, but it's for boys. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Because, obviously is. Cuz it's, uh-huh. it's all like it's preteen porn. Right. For boys. I mean, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Just the way it's shot and all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I'm like as a 50-year-old man, I'm going, yeah, I don't I should probably be be arrested. <laughs> right you're you're kind of watching it and you just sort of turn it off and look did, is anyone did the nsa okay right. and yeah. maybe this is how brony culture came about because they needed a show that legitimized them watching shows about that were little about little girl princesses yeah and my little pony is always got a positive message and very little of that titillation factor right yeah <laughs> so, yeah right um but that doesn't really explain how I got to this particular show, but <laughs> I and after that I was like, well, there's got to be something good in here, and I kept looking, kept looking, and these ones about basically young people driving giant robots was a is a genre. Yes, and I watched a couple of them that were really bad, and then I um, saw this one. I just read the description and saw that it was modern in the in the sense that it was from nineteen. 19- I'm sorry, from 2014. So it's only a couple years old, as opposed to a lot of them, which were, you know, from the 90s or long time ago. And the art style didn't really appeal to me in some of the older ones. So Mm -hmm. I just added a bunch of them to my playlist. And then last weekend, I just, uh, so I'm going to try to watch one of these. And I just scrolled through the six or seven I had in my playlist I liked the picture of the robot on the cover of this one, so I played the episode and I was not prepared for the depth of the story and the conciseness of it and the emotional impact of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the first episode, they've defined the world pretty well, the 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 universe that this takes place in, which yeah. is basically 2014 Earth in, a, in an altered reality. Um. By the end of I'm going to have a little bit of my diet coke now. Let's try that. Okay, I will. I will tell you. I am two episodes into this thing now. Good. That's helpful. And, yes, and uh, so no spoilers, but uh, it's great. Uh, I think it is. Now, it's from give give me a sense and our listeners mm-hmm. a sense of how much anime you're familiar with. My my familiarity is yeah. very sparse. Mm-hmm. I go through these phases. Um, I, I'm sure I've watched more of it than you have. Uh, I go through these phases that are sparked by the exact same thing that you mentioned, which is I will just be looking at Apple TV or Hulu or um, Netflix or something, and I'll notice there are 5,000 anime shows here. 
and some of them look pretty cool and i'll go through this phase where i'll just start sort of dipping in and seeing which ones are good and most of them are are not good mm-hmm. um but you're absolutely right it there are those very specific genres of of anime and um i kind of tend to watch a lot of the sort of um i don't know even what they would call it but it's things like um there were sort of magic realism yeah i was going to say that Myst- sort of mystical mystical, mystical kind of things yep. um god i can't remember uh, there was a, a witch one that was really great but i'll remember it after the show but i also like the robot stuff too and um so i've watched some of that and and like you most of it just is really kind of bad and you know, just formulaic and there's not much of a story. It's just the plot exists just to push people into fighting. (laughs) Right. And it's not that interesting at all. Um, So, you know, I've I've watched quite a bit of this stuff just to try to find things that I like. And um, this is, and I'm only two episodes in. I'm going to be binge watching this as soon as I can get some time because it's, uh, it's, it's really caught me already. Yeah, by um, the end of that second episode, I was, I was, I was heartbroken. It was, it was the second episode that really did it for me. Yeah, you know, the first was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool, and by the second, I'm like, okay, there's stuff, stuff is happening, right? And it's very <laughs> competently made and yeah. written, and the music in the beginning grabs you and pulls you in, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just competently done. Uh, yeah, and I think this is my Game of Thrones. It's, it's what, what's sad about that is it only had two seasons and I've already watched them all. So I know. I'm it, done. Did it did it end after two seasons or did it? Is it it hasn't had? continued yet. I guess oh, is I all see. you could say. I see. I certainly think there's room for it too. Um, yeah. But seasons one and two definitely are of a piece. Mm-hmm. Season one ends in a cliffhanger for season two that, which in a very yank your chain typical style of a lot of these things undoes the climactic do- right. ending of the free- previous season where, right. all right, everybody you cared about is dead. Yeah. Okay, maybe not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, the, I'm going to largely remain spoiler free, but I'm going to do a bunch of imagine if kind of setting the stage for what this thing's uh-huh. about. Yeah. So imagine if in the 60s, the one percenters found an ancient space portal on the moon and used it to set up a feudal state on Mars, which they called Vers. So can you imagine that? I, I Yeah, I can. Okay, then, I then imagine that they find mm. an ancient power that gives them unlimited energy passed down through the king's bloodline. And this just convinces them that they're, they're better than all of us. Oh, of course, yeah. Bird, you know, monkey Terrans here on Earth. Imagine after that, that they use this energy to power basically unbeatable war machines and they attack Earth. Which, I don't like that last imagining, but yeah. Right. It brings you up to an alternative 2014 in the now of the show where a bunch of high school kids are being trained uh, for war mm-hmm. and uh, they end up they end up largely being hope the earth's only hope after the adult armies of the earth are systematically destroyed. And then imagine that what brings the whole thing down is interclan rivalries between within the Vers empire, culminating in a commoner among them taking over the clans and going to war, not only against the earth, but against the empire all for the love of a princess who's in a coma his rival in this love and war is in this unwaveringly morose, tactically brilliant high school kid from Earth. Who oh, Im- yeah. He Love Im- that guy. implants an analytic engine into his brain that slowly consumes him. Oh, wow. Can't wait to see that. And with all of that, they also managed to get in a couple of tit and ass shots. <laughs> <laughs> Why must there always be a couple of tit and ass shots? They're, they're, all of these have them. In this particular show, they were particularly incongruous because they were, Mm -hmm. the the show wasn't catering to that. 
Yeah. And it's almost like the studio say, well, I'm sorry, but we're not buying this show unless there's a couple of tit nash shots. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm with you. I, the, some of the things that I've seen, as soon as they start to do that, and I'll, I'll, I'll call it sort of the, uh, the windy upskirts. Yeah. Is what what a lot of these are like <laughs> oh and the wind blows and you're like oh wow I didn't need that why, <laughs> like, why did we need to see her underwear right now <laughs> right um I don't know if it's 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 a, a cultural thing of, of that sort of genre I'm not really sure but it instantly just I've seen animes that have a lot of that and it just completely throws me out of the right story and when and, there's a lot of it you go okay well that's just what this is about right right but this only and it got less and less but i mean by the yeah by the, the last well, two-thirds yeah. of the second season there weren't it wasn't any of that anymore not it once just, it went to be game of thrones like you said so yeah. you know you had to <laughs> throw some dna in there <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so are you are you watching this um subtitled or dubbed are you watching it on netflix because i know How it's dare you, sir <laughs> <laughs> there is but one way to watch yes subbed yeah see i started watching it dubbed so did i and i'm like okay this typically sounds stupid and i've uh-huh. seen enough anime um to know that yeah, but- the english translations when they're dubbed are usually horrible compared yes. to subbed and listening to it in their original language so yeah but you could switch that did you know on netflix on Netflix on Apple TV, it was. Oh, wow! I did not know that. Yeah, because it's on it's on Hulu uh, or Hulu, subbed. where 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 whatever thing it's. On. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. So it's automatically it's, that way there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. And you are correct. That is the only way to watch. You're right. Yep. And I've been meaning to go back and watch again, um, dubbed just to make sure I'm right. But I I typically just can't stand the voice. Yeah. The voice acting in in dubbed ones yeah no i think you're right i I think that um so that's that's why boy this is good talking forever about this but i think this what happened to me is i watched the first episode and the second episode and then i was like this is really great but i kind of wish it wasn't dubbed Mm -hmm. and then i went over to hulu and i'm like oh it's subbed over here so i watched the first episode subbed there you go so i've i've watched both so I'm, i'm gonna keep going but um yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's really something else, and and I think you're absolutely right that there. I mean, just think of how much content. Some of this stuff is bad. There's other hidden things in there that are great. We we don't hear anything about this stuff. Right. It's like a whole other. You know, America, the North America is like we think of it as being where all the content comes from. Hollywood is this right. engine that produces content and now silicon valley is this place that produces content for the world and there's whole other worlds of it that are there's even more than we could possibly have imagined yeah um, more yeah. prolific more being created yeah. um so there's lots of work in that yeah and I'm, I'm sure anyone listening to this who's really into the anime scene is probably like you know throwing their phone all against the wall <laughs> like well yeah stupid um and you know that's that stuff is kind of bubbling up and has been for for many years but i think the the point we're trying to make is that it just um it it doesn't come into the mainstream at all you have to go looking like if i wanted to know what's another good anime that ha- that is like this one i'd have to you know get on right. reddit well, or something and try to find those things right you know? and think about where we got those preconceived notions about anime cartoons it's from the what are essentially really crappy stuff that we that was foisted on us on TV in the seventies and the eighties? Yeah, right. You know, your your speed racers and mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Sacco's flying robot. Yeah, and Ultraman. But Ultraman, I really loved though. The, those seemed to be that was the cream of the crop as far as I was concerned. My, but I try yeah. to watch them now, and I'm like, okay, this is unwatchable. <laughs> my my favorite was Battle of the Planets. Uh, that one doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, that's uh, that's another great uh, mm-hmm. one. But but uh, a few years ago, I had the occasion to watch the original Japanese Battle of the Planets with uh, subbed, and found that the storylines were 
completely different. <laughs> right. I think a lot of that stuff that came over in the 70s, they didn't even translate it. They yeah, just, they didn't. They just looked at what was happening and made up a story. Right. Yeah, it's obvious. Um, there's a lot of, you watch it now and you're like, oh, that's why that guy is there. It's like, it's not her uncle. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even get the relationships right. (laughs) Right, right. right. Like, oh, that's just, that's the, I think there was one that was like, he's the scientist that created this thing that was, that's causing harm to the world or something. And like in the, in the American is like, oh, my uncle, we should go play shuffleboard. I'm like, what? (laughs) So yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. And that, that's, that's how we. You know, or we have the American version, which is like, oh, cartoons. It's just a cartoon. This is not a, these aren't cartoons. These are like mm-hmm. fully fledged stories. That, that was another another thing that happened to me because I've seen anime and always gone, wow, this is such a great story. They should make this for real. And in my <laughs> yeah, mind, what right. I'm making meaning for real is they should make it live action. Right. It dawned on me watching this when I had that same thought. No, they've already made it for real. Look yeah. what they've done in here. Does it need to be any more real than this? Could they have done it as well as this right. in live action? And the answer right. is no. Yeah. It is as it should be. This is the format for this story that is probably best. Mm-hmm. As evidenced by, I don't know if you've heard of Ghost of the Sh- Ghost in the Shell. Uh, very famous anime. Really great. And they're making it into a movie. Um, star, <laughs> yep. starring Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson instead of the <laughs> iconic Japanese, yeah, character that is in the movie. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I do watch that. And that was where I first figured out this sub dub thing made a difference. Yeah, right. It was in that movie, right. and I had to yeah. go searching for how to d- watch it in its original, yeah, audio mm-hmm. with uh, subtitles, and it was a much much better. It was already visually took me on a journey, but I could not get into the character acting and until I saw right. the original. Because I mean there there is inflection in language that that the original Japanese has. Well and it also that... and the other problem is when it's dubbed, they're trying to match what they're saying to the movement of the lips, yeah, which right. deviates them from the actual translation of what yeah, is being said. Right. And right. when you subtitle it, you have a completely different thing because all you've done is t- properly translated yeah. the language. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it makes a big difference. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited to, to get into it. It, it's sort of, you know, there's this huge big box of anime that anyone going to Hulu or Netflix can just mm-hmm. look at. I mean, there's so much of it that. Yeah, I'm afraid now. I'm kind of like uh, me too. shy because, I, and, and, and not that I'll get consumed by it and never get out of it, but that I won't find anything this good again. I know. And I'm going to have to go on a search after this because you've, you've woken up like, oh no, <laughs> this was good. What else is out there? Like, oh, probably a lot of crap. Right. And, and some good stuff. And how um, am I going to get lucky and win the anime lottery again? Yeah. I, w- yeah, I will give one note of warning. I know you're early into this, and I hope yeah. other people will watch this series, but um, there seems to be a lot of consternation about the ending. Oh, okay. okay. Online, I've seen. But I, I, I'll just say that it has a very Neil Stevenson ending. <laughs> that is to say... <laughs> It's going to stop after the climactic final battle uh-huh. with all the loose ends still very, very loose. Yeah. And then he'll just say a couple of sentences about how everything works out over the next 20 years <laughs> the end. Yeah. Oh, that's, I, you know, <laughs> having read a lot of Neil Stevenson, I completely understand that <laughs> comparison. How many times have I gotten to the end of Neil Stevenson's book and, and turned the page and like, what? It's just empty. It's the cover. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Looking around the floor, there must. It's got to be a chapter that fell out of this book somewhere. <laughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> Every time. Every time. I think he just gets tired of writing. He's like, uh, yes, yeah, that's it. He's emotionally spent because he's just done the climax, climactic yeah. point of the story, and let's move on. Oh, how yeah. can I just get out of this now? And be done? <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's great. I'm I'm looking forward to it and um it's like that like Seinfeld said, episode and yada yada yada. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he should just call all of his books. Right. The last chapter at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, um I have a somewhat related thing that I can share. I'll try to share it quickly. Um, yeah, you saw a thing too. Or did a, I did. When and did a thing where you saw a thing. I did went and did a thing and saw a thing out where the things live. Um and we went um <laughs> I say I'll make this quick and I'm like so um so we went to the shopping mall um here in Seattle to do something unrelated to where we ended up and we happened to be walking through this mall and realized oh there's an Amazon bookstore here. Now Amazon has opened up a these brick and mortar stores now um, and they're full of books. So we thought, well, let's just go inside and just just see what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing. How big? (laughs) Huh? How big? Um, Probably like the size of a Barnes and Noble. Good. So big. Yeah. And you walk in and all of the books on the shelves are books that have been rated at four stars and above on Amazon. So fascinating. You, yeah, you never see a book that's that's rated low. So all the books are interesting and all the books are things that people have read and there are shelves that say a whole entire shelf that the, these are the the books most added to people's wish lists. So they're taking data and turning it into ways to stock different shelves, which I find just fascinating. Right, it sounds um, very very efficient. It is very efficient. So the store for me was, it's a mix of like a, a typical bookstore. It also has a whole section where you can test out the Kindles and you can play games on the Amazon uh, or the uh, the Fire HD TV. Mm-hmm. So it's like an Apple store <laughs> mm-hmm. where you can just you play with everything. And then they also sell cables. Okay. So it's like... It's like this Radio Shack. So you can buy, you're like, oh, I'm out of, I need some audio cables and some um, USB cables. You can just go buy cables there too. (laughs) (laughs) So, which I loved. So I just was walking around the store. Which you're also probably stocking based on the popularity of different cable types on the the site. Right. So they have a store that is completely driven by their user data and the the shopping trends mm-hmm. so that they know they can just fill up their store with things that people uh, are are buying online or looking at online um and so part of this was a they had an entire shelf full of comics mm-hmm. i haven't read comics in many many years and i rediscovered this entire world of comics and graphic novels that are just beyond DC and Marvel and all this stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Although so, those worlds are pretty active too. Yeah, they are. But these are are astounding and they just had these shelves. So Joe and I spent, I don't know, an hour probably just at that shelf with yeah. every single Again, it's just curated or, or you know based on ratings you think on yeah. Amazon. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. just not a lot of fluff in there. No. Yeah. Everything is is solid and uh, recommended, and we were often when we go to bookstores. It's going to sound terrible. We we will find books that we want, and we'll take a picture of of the book, and then we'll go home and order it on Amazon. So, but we're very very quiet. Take a picture, leave here, and we were doing that in the Amazon store, and, and both of us realized, oh, they don't care, <laughs> you know. They don't care if you order it here, order online. You can order it any place you want. It's okay, all okay, you know. So um so yeah, it's opened up this whole world now of of sci-fi comics that I'm going to be uh, starting to read as a result. Is this something of, um, you're revisiting or is this new for you? I'd say it's it's a bit of a revisit. I mm-hmm. I was into some of these comics many, many years ago. Um some of the Vertigo comics like Sandman and stuff like that. But I was mm-hmm. also reading some comics a little little closer to, to the age I am now. But it's been it's been a long time and, and mainly because 
I just didn't know how to get into it or where to start or, you know, what I needed was someone to show me an entire shelf of like, oh, these are all the comics people like. This is you the current stuff them. that people are into, right? Yeah. Just go ahead and look look through them. You know, not like a whole comic book store, but a real, you know, this is it. We just, well, uh, you know, I may need somewhere. to send you there to look at the anime DVD section so you can tell me <laughs> what's good to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just of... realizing we, we, we've left out a crucial detail from this uh, topic. Oh, what's that? We haven't mentioned the name of the show that you and I <laughs> just watched and spent an hour talking about. <laughs> yeah. And we probably ought to do that before we close out of the segment. Yeah, we should do that. So, so we'll what, also what put this that? in the show notes, of course. Mm-hmm. But the show's title is Ald Noah Zero. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yes. So, yeah, I'll update you if I find some good uh, graphic novels, too. I'm sure I'll be talking about it, but... Uh, Go visit your Amazon bookstore. I know that that's not a popular thing to say because it's <laughs> it's killing all the other bookstores, but, you know, uh, progress is progress. What can I say? Hey, there's a bookstore. Uh, Somebody opened a bookstore. Yeah. Let's say yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So go go uh, go check it out. Well, should we move on? Let's, let's go ahead and get into our music in, section for the evening. Yeah, in hour three. Let's mm-hmm. uh, start in the subject number three. <laughs> Music in rear view. Keeping with the subject of uh, sci-fi and Japanese cartoon series, in particular the ones from our childhood, the crappy kind, um, I have this really unusual, pretty rare album, which I actually bought back in the day. This is from 1983, it is? Yes, yeah, matter of fact, on the back cover, it says it was recorded in April of 1983. That's... Uh, Oh, wow. 33 years ago this month. Um, you know what that makes us? Um, young for our age? Nope. Old. Oh. Old for any age. But this album is um, by Brian May and Friends. Brian, Brian May being the guitar player for Queen. Mm-hmm. And Friends in this case being Eddie Van Halen, Alan oh. Gratzer, and Phil Chen. Um, and the album's called Starfleet Project. And it's basically Brian May was started watching a Japanese uh, space cartoon with his young son. And this is over in England. It's a show I don't think we ever had here called Starfleet. And it was basically puppeteering, kind of like Thunderbirds. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and he just says here on the back cover, he says, Stop! What you have just picked up is not your normal kind of album. This is not an album which has been, quote, thoughtfully pieced together by a, quote, coordinated band. (laughs) (laughs) It is not a Queen album. It is not a solo Brian May album. And it's also not good. But (laughs) I'm going to play a little bit from it anyway. And what makes it not good, I mean, the components are great. Brian May, Eddie Van Halen, what could possibly go wrong? Right. These are two stellar guitar players. Well, what went wrong largely was that he's doing a cover of a bad TV show. So the source material is poor and he's written lyrics and he's decided to sing them. And Brian May is not a singer. No, he's, he's not. a lot of things. Singer is not one of them. Right. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and play a bit of this uh, Starfleet Project song. Okay. Now let's see what it sounds like. Thank you. 
<laughs> okay, I think that's it's all we very, need to hear about that. Yeah, it's very triumph-ish as well. Oh, you know, it is. Yeah. Yeah. From that era, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, that's a very 1983 sound. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, very iconic 1983. But yeah, yeah, basically these four musicians just showed up and they were bored one weekend in a studio in L.A. and they just did this over the course of a couple hours. And uh, Brian May even says on the cover that he was never planning to release it. It wasn't until he was sharing it with friends and stuff. They said, you know, you should put this out. And I don't know that I buy that story. <laughs> No. <laughs> I think I was said, you know, it should stay in your drawer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think I buy that story either. <laughs> I wasn't going to put it out, but all of my friends were like, you really should release this. And I'm like, okay. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. But um, th- it is pretty rare. Um, it It's not available on any of the digital services these days. Um Basically, you got to bootleg it to find it. There is a short clip of it on YouTube, which we will link to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that it, uh, the show was called X-Bomber. Yeah, that was its uh, title, I guess, um, somewhere else. But where what it was titled in England was Starfleet. Or Starfleet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think we've got a Wikipedia entry for that uh, show we can put in the notes as well. Yeah, it looks like it was another one of those shows that was probably dubbed over to English and weird things happened. So one very quick thing about Brian May, you know, the movie of uh, Freddie Mercury's life has derailed because Brian May uh, said to the studios, I'm really excited about the part of the movie where you see that what the band does after Freddie Mercury dies and how we reform and how we keep going. And the studio is like, um, this is not a movie about you guys. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. So he, they, they oh. said, no, I'm not making it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I don't really buy that story. Because, uh, you know, he's like, no, no, it's about us. It's about the queen, about what we do afterwards. N- no. <laughs> The, the Freddie Mercury movie has a very specific ending, and uh, that's the end. So anyway. Right. And I th- yeah, that's kind of sad. That I, I guess I understand I'm, uh, um, yeah. where he's coming from because he had, you know, 20 years or more since then where they were, you know, still doing things. But uh, right. um, and to him, those are not wasted years. But they aren't when any, when anybody in the world who isn't in Queen thinks of Queen. Right. It it ended with Freddie. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which kinds of brings us to um, sad note that we want to close out on. We had another um, really important musician leave this week. So now Prince has uh, gone on. And yeah, I, I'm really hoping 2016. Stop. Yeah, that's enough. Let's really. not make a habit of this. Yeah, we're uh, gonna have to lock some people in in shelters just to make sure that they're gonna be okay. That's right. It, who is singling out the the people who are who we didn't even think were mortal? That's exactly right. That's exactly my reaction to this whole thing. Was Prince was another like Bowie, another person that I thought. Well, he's he's not human, so he'll right. be here forever. Right. Yeah. In one form or another, he mm-hmm. he, he exists. Yeah. And uh, otherworldly is his only way to describe it. Yes. Um, and maybe not as relevant to the world we grew up in right. as as Bowie was, but I certainly uh, my my '80s girlfriend was very into Prince. Yeah. Saw all the movies in the theater. <laughs> they got progressively worse, but they were, I saw them all. <laughs> right. And uh, or I guess they became progressively more self-indulgent. But um, that's fine because it's Prince. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think people grant him as much self-indulgence as he wanted because 
the dude's a freaking genius. Yeah, right. Um, one of a kind, really. Yep. Yeah. And I want to play just one thing of his. Um, it's very hard to pick something, pick one thing to play to commemorate Prince. Um, uh, very different kinds of things throughout his career, periods where he's just pumping out album after album after album, periods where there wasn't stuff for a while. Um, but there's a turning point in his music when he was at his, um, approaching his peak of popularity, where I think his, an inflection point happened with his career. He... And I've read about this, and and I remember the song, and I said, really, this is what happened? This is why this song is what it is? Um, In one of his other movies, this is... um, What movie is this from? Under the Cherry Moon. He had a song called Kiss, and he wanted to make it a single. and And Warner Brothers said, there's no song here. They thought it was, it didn't sound like music to them. Mm-hmm. And they told him, no, this is, there's no way, nobody will buy this. And and he forced them to put it out, and it was one of his biggest hits ever. And it started a whole genre of this kind of, of sparse but funky performance music that was capitalized by um, people like George Michael and other people after this. But... Listen to this and, and try to think about how a uh, record company could say, eh, no, there's, the, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't hear music here. Let's play this. Okay. Now come on! I know, They're that's stupid. awesome. It is great. It's it yeah. It's it's one of my favorite Prince songs. I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I just think it's just too bad that he did it with uh with uh nothing but a, but a triangle and a cowbell in two hours <laughs> of his time in the studio. That's right. what a genius he was, armed yeah. with a triangle and a cowbell and his voice. He could do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you completely. Yeah, it's just he's yeah, he was. And there's so amazing... many other aspects of him that you could cover. His guitar playing, which was something mm-hmm. I didn't understand. Right, it never crossed my mind that the guitar solos on his records were him. Yeah, and they are. And you you watch him watch some of the videos of him playing. I mean, it's 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 astonishing. He's he was such a great guitar player. And his Super Bowl show from a couple years ago. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. astounding. Yeah. I, watched I don't that. think I've ever seen yeah. performance that, that virtuosic gets yeah. on the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah. And it, I mean it's just his whole lifestyle. You know, there are many stories of they he would do uh ten dollar concerts at Paisley Park and mm-hmm. people would just show up and they'd never know whether Prince was going to be there or not. Mm-hmm. And uh there are stories of, you know, people sh- hanging around there listening to DJs until like three in the morning. And then Prince would just decide to come on and do a two hour show. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) right. It's, I mean, he was, he was amazing. He just lived his, his own life, his own way. And, uh, yeah. Creative genius. Yeah. He's focused on, on, he he had a different metric for what was important. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I mean, he could have been a superstar star and milked every dollar out of it and he actually held things back and prevented them from being used to make mm-hmm. money for him yeah right <laughs> um and i i think he's going to be missed i hope a lot of the stuff that he did that we haven't heard yet eventually becomes available mm-hmm. um yeah me too and i just really hope that uh we don't have to do a segment like this again this year. Yeah, I don't. Let's let's make that a goal. Let's no no more of this because this is uh this is really getting ridiculous. I uh, he's he wasn't even that old. So let's just let's just cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, anybody who's your age isn't old, right? I mean that that's the definition of not old, right? Right. Right. Well, yes. 
Yes, absolutely. He was only 67. (laughs) 67-year-olds are saying that. (laughs) Right. He was only 104. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's let's get on with this. Uh, Yeah, let's move on down the road. Yeah. Can you tell people how they can contact us if they should be so inclined? Absolutely. Uh, well, show notes for uh, Up and Overcast can be found at upandovercast.com or on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash upandovercast. And you can email us anytime, day or night, 24-7 at um, podcast at upandovercast.com. And we hope that you do. Please. Yes, indeed. So as usual, William, I do have a one final question for you. Oh, yes. Well, what would that be? Well, related to our topics tonight, uh, do you personally have a favorite robot? Well, normally I would answer with some off-the-cuff, you know, witty sort of stupid thing. But I'm going to actually answer this seriously. I have a... And instead, I'm going to tell you real quick about my least favorite robot. Okay. My least favorite robot was called Seven Zark Seven. And he was on that Battle of the Planet show. He wasn't on the original Japanese, but when they brought the show over to America, they had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so they needed someone to provide narration for all the scenes. <laughs> so they invented Seven Zark Seven, and he had uh, some sort of little dog robot too, and, and he would go in between the acts and the oh well it looks like they had some big trouble down there on the on the planet's surface let's hope that they're going to be okay now and he would just narrate the show and it was their way of uh of of holding things together so um, oh sort 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 of like mythbusters <laughs> somewhat like mythbusters actually maybe seven's arc seven is what we need on on this podcast so maybe he's now my favorite robot Okay, you know one thing we're going to have to do? What's that? We're going to have to get to this, the bottom of this, how Christy McNichol follow-up ended up in the review, <laughs> and neither of us knew what the follow-up I, was. I thought you did some research where she came out or something. and I thought you did that. No. How old are we? How broken are these brains <laughs> that we're know. working with? I, I swear that you said that. <laughs> You're like I did some research and she had come out and just like us and yeah, you're right. We do need a narrator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need something. Uh, yeah. Oh man! I don't know. Now I'm looking through all my text messages. Christy. Mm, no. Yeah, I don't know. Really. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember when it came I up. But I remember. I just remember you uh, being the one who said, uh, "I've uh-huh, got follow up on Christy McNichol," and you typing oh. it into the show notes for last oh, week. And then, if only that was the case. Here's here's a here's a text message from you. <laughs> <laughs> and there is some okay. great. You said there is some great follow up opportunity next week on Christy. In 2012, she came out as a lesbian, just like us. 